Hello everybody and welcome to Cane and Rinse Sound of Play 29.
Sound of Play, we bring you an eclectic fortnightly mixtape of some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. Joining me, Leon Cox in Sound of Play 29, are our very own Jay Taylor. Hey. <laughs> hey. And uh, a re- regular returning guest, it's CJ Black from Twin Humanities, Twin Destinies, Oh the Humanity. Welcome back, CJ. Thank you very much. And uh, that, in the tradition, our opening track there was picked by our guest, CJ. Uh, and it's unusual. Uh, we've, we've done this a couple of times, but uh, this is from a game that, at the time of recording at least, isn't even out. But it, it, it is imminently on its way. Uh, so why did you pick that from a game you haven't even played yet, CJ? Or have you? Um, I haven't played it yet, certainly, no. but I, no. I am getting very, very excited for it. So that was uh, Theme X from Xenoblade Chronicles X by Hiroyuki Sawano. Um, a few years ago at E3, Nintendo Treehouse showed off the first deep stretch of Xenoblade Chronicles X. Uh, during this half-hour showcase, there was something of the old-school science fiction and huge Harryhausen monsters that really spoke to me. Uh, Yet the aspect which truly stole me away, listening in between the commentary as best as I could, uh, was the incredible soundtrack. Uh, I investigated and found out uh, that it was um, by Hiroyuki Sawano. Uh, In the times after, I found myself falling in love with his soundtrack work, not linking him with the Xenoblade Chronicles stuff, though, actually. Um, Mm. He works primarily in in, uh, Japanese anime, movies and television. And his work on Kill the Kill genuinely blew me away Mm. uh, before his breathtaking soundtrack for Noah Zero became a huge, huge favourite. As a brief aside, I remember an interview with David Arnold, then new to Bond films, asking if he'd spoken to John Barry and if he'd Mm. received any advice, uh, to which Barry had said, any chance you get, play the theme tune, play the theme tune, play the theme tune. Um, These moments to lift the heart, set the spirit soaring, a signature to fill our lungs, to scream and cry out, discovering that special something which sparkles that makes the visuals more. And it's an aspect I feel modern-day Hollywood has has lost over special effects and dialogue. And Savano will compose a theme tune for a show and have variant different moods sort of surrounding that theme. Uh, Big band versions, those with vocals, often in this case by the the jaw-dropping Mika Kobayashi, Uh, gorgeous lilting pianos and those which feature the most sugared and dreamy smooths of strings. Uh, I sought out Sawano's Xenoblade Chronicles X soundtrack, curious to listen to what, as as far as I could tell, was his first video game work. and this track in particular creates incredible language of alien voices, textures, warmth of fear, wonderment on the unknown, uh, teasing with the theme as he goes along. And then there's this last 90 seconds, which just cannon out, imposing the most majestic theme. Um, yeah, I'm excited for the game anyway, but uh, match to Sawano's soundtrack, my anticipation is genuinely through the roof. Uh, I've Are got you the, one of those? Sorry, CJ. No, I've got this special edition on order. I've got the <laughs> the guide on order. Um, I'm. I just wish we were getting the uh, the US version of the limited edition, which has actually got a little USB in the shape of a sword, which glows, which has got uh, a handful of uh, tracks from Sawano on the USB, and it's mm. not in the UK version, which is yeah. more as the shame. That's uh, goes some way to making up for the years of appalling American box art 
<clears throat> I suppose, and the, when when we in Europe got slightly less offensive game covers. Um, so, are you one of the people who actually did play their copy of Xenoblade Chronicles um, rather than just letting it sit there like I have for the last five years or however long it is? Oh yeah, the, the previous one. I, I didn't play mm. it to, to completion, but I, I really did love it. <laughs> Did anyone? Um, uh, I'm sure that I'm, no, that's rhetorical. I know some people did, but most people seem to have loved it, but let it linger. I don't know. There, there was something about, uh, you know, folks can say all they want about the Wii being an underpowered machine at the side of the uh, the PS3 and the 360, but there was something so expansive and so massive mm. about mm. running down those those massive hills which were you know akin to being a kid and and uh being let out in the school holidays and just yeah. wandering to different towns and different villages and across fields and it felt like this real this real sense of being lost and a little bit scared but also excited as well um, and the, the more the, the story imposed and the characters imposed, I, I, I got quite uh, quite emotionally attached to it. But mm. um, yeah, the, the the new one just looks wonderful. I'm I'm really yeah. really excited for it. It's a game and, I still really really want to play. But it's that thing. If I start, if I have a look at X now on on the Wii U, I might you know struggle to go back to the to this. Even though you know I know that the hmm. the original is a is a wonderful looking game, but it is obviously it is lower resolution, and and that might become more uh, more of a more of a stretch if I get used to the the Wii U graphics hmm. first. So um, I think I think but, the, the new one sort of shares the from what I've, I've heard shares the the combat engine, but mm. uh, it's 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 its own entity, very much its own entity. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, God, so excited. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So this uh, sound of play is going to feature a lot of uh, lush music. I think it's fair to say um, there's quite a lot of uh, RPG representation, <laughs> um, some JRPG representation, and uh, that includes our first community selection. Uh, from a, a new contributor, as far as I can recall, I believe so, someone called Magic Airplane. Uh, and he or she has requested a, cha- a track from one of the Tales games, Tales of Legendia. Uh, and Magic Airplane says, Tales of Legendia has my favourite video game soundtrack of all time. I find most of the tracks in this game to be absolutely beautiful. Even though it's one of the less popular entries in the Tales series, it has a special place in my heart. The music, combined with the scenery and story, created one of my most memorable gaming experiences. The game is often overlooked, so I feel not many people know about its soundtrack, and that's why I really want to share it. This track is called Forest of No Return, and it was composed by Goshina. It's a dungeon theme heard early on in the game, and when I first heard it, I knew I was in for an unforgettable experience.
was Masaru, or Go, Sheena, and I've featured uh, a track of his before because he's also uh, the man behind the Mr Driller soundtracks, which I love, and you can hear on that uh, on that piece some of his trademark sort of almost uh, jazz violin that he loves so much. Tales of Legendia is one of the Tales games that I've never played. I've never finished a Tales game. I'm one of those. It's another one of those series, I'm afraid. Um anyone here uh, dabbled with the Tales series? Uh, there's been so many of them over such a long period of time. Uh, it's now, it's another series that I think it's daunting to go back to. I've um, I played a little bit of uh, Tales of Vesperia on 360, uh, oh. but but really enjoyed the, there was a, um, a prequel movie to it, which was fantastic, um, mm. which led me to the game, but I think it was I was swayed away from other stuff, but that had got one of those musical startups where you just left it on the attract sequence at the start mm. because it was just, it was a wonderful vocal track. And likewise, I heard uh, um, the startup uh, sequence from, uh, is it Zestiria, the, the new one? And yeah, that the, was, yeah. that was belting. Mm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's another fondly regarded uh, series of JRPGs that has its fans, but it's it's now got to the point where it's such a sprawling, you know, series of epics. And I know they're generally self-contained, as with Final Fantasy, but it's, uh, you know, I'd have that thing where if I played one to completion, I'd want to finish them all. And it's, mm-hmm. it's easier just to uh, stick to... <laughs> completely standalone things but yeah it's actually a series that isn't on the big spreadsheet with no one's requested the tale series probably because they know the chances of us actually getting around to it are are minuscule especially as we haven't even started final fantasy or elder scrolls yet so oh god yeah 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 um but yes lovely piece of music nonetheless you don't need to have played the game to enjoy that certainly now, more expansive RPGs, but this time from a European stable. And uh, this, we, regular listeners or people who follow what we do will know that Jay is a man who tends to play one game at a time. And when he plays with that one game, he plays it at the exclusion of everything else, uh, <laughs> in, generally including, you know, sleep, food, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, his current sweetheart is, I'm not surprised about this at all, it's The Witcher 3. Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> um, unfortunately, you were spot on with that um, uh, that uh, judgment call. But um, yeah, The Witcher Three, amazing, amazing game, um, an amazing, amazing soundtrack as well. <laughs> and yeah, so both the tracks I'm picking for the sound of play are actually from this game. And the first one uh, that I'm going to pick is from a band called Percival. Now, they are a, a Polish folk music, a traditional folk music band. So you hear their, their music quite a lot in the game, mostly in the taverns and stuff when you've got a band playing. That music that you can hear comes from these guys. But they've got a really unusual history because it's like there's four members of this band and they are four members of um, a metal band by the name of Percival Schuttenbach. Now, the char- the per- Percival Schuttenbach is actually a character from the Witcher novels, which I kind of love oh, the cool. fact that all this, <laughs> you know, that CD Projekt Red got these guys in. They're, they're clearly fans of the source material. Um, I assume they're fans of the game as well now. But um, and just, just that level of detail that they put into this stuff, kind of, I just love it. I just... and and. Add to that, I actually love the music, and I found myself YouTubing the hell out of this band this week. Now, their death metal stuff 
not quite as big a fan as their folk music stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but their folk stuff is absolutely incredible. And I've been listening to this their particular bunch of tracks that are on the soundtrack more than the rest of it. That's not necessarily to dismiss the rest. It's just the track that I'm gonna that we're gonna play now is um, tracks. Well, I'll leave the title till the end. But um, I can't listen to this without my foot tapping away because it's just <laughs> I don't know, man. It just get it's it's and it, this yeah, it is what it is, and I absolutely love it. And it's called the title of the track is called "Drink Up." There's more. folk there from uh, the sounds of Eastern Europe and Central Europe and possibly some Celtic influence in there as well from uh, the mighty Witcher 3 uh, another sprawling RPG that uh, sadly one can't just give up life and play at the exclusion of everything else Uh, not too often anyway but uh, some point, some point and all that it's me, it's my pick, and so you'll be, uh, regular listeners will be completely unsurprised to hear that it's a shoot 'em up from the 90s that provides our next piece of music. Uh, it's also Japanese, not a surprise either. And uh, this is from the Mega Drive, hurrah, you get to hear some of that really cr- deliciously meaty um, Mega Drive FM sound chip. Um, and this is, yes, from Thunder Force 4. Um, I never, I never, I still never found out what happened about Thunder Force One. I think it did, yeah, it did exist in some arcade format, but uh, Thunder Force Two I was aware of, and obviously the series went on. But Thunder Force Four, um, after the relative ease of completion of Thunder Force Three, Thunder Force Four was a lot tougher, as I recall. Uh, known as Lightning Force, Quest for the Dark Star in the US. Uh, that's lightning spelt incorrectly with an e uh, for some reason. Um, this was a, uh, a technical tour de force on Sega's 16-bit machine from Technosoft, uh, and there was a lot of um, there was a lot of sort of thrash metal uh, in the soundtrack, especially the opening sequence, but in that very uh, 16-bit way. But the soundtrack as a whole kind of is a mishmash of um, 
it's it's like a hybrid of thrash metal and elevator music, which for me works more than either of those genres independently. Put them together, put them through a, a Mega Drive sound chip, uh, and you've got something that. Yeah, it's really evocative, exciting and atmospheric and went with this really fast-paced and, and technically dazzling uh, horizontal shoot-em-up from 1992. So the composers on the game, there were three and it's the usual issue. I don't know if it was a proper collaboration or it was different tracks by different people, but we like to credit everybody. So it's Toshiharu Yamanishi, Takeshi Yoshida and Naosuke Arai. And this is uh, The Skyline. <laughs> to pick a, a 90s uh, shoot 'em up track there but um especially if you you had headphones on there you you'll have enjoyed some particularly uh extreme stereo effects not in the amiga style that we often talk about where everything's in either one ear or in the other but there's lots of uh, wibbly noises and drums going from left to right and right to left and i enjoy that sort of thing never gets old for some reason back to something calmer now uh much calmer and uh, back to that lush RPG type of stuff that we were talking about earlier. Uh, and <laughs> CJ's excitement for the forthcoming Xenoblade Chronicles can uh, remains unabated. 
Well, strangely enough, I nearly went with a 90s shoot-em-up piece for this next one as well. <laughs> of course. I, thought I was expecting more, more of that sort of thing from you or Commodore 64, but, uh, but that's fine. I nearly went for, and, and if you have me back again, I will mm. nerd out about, I nearly went to, for a track from Wings of Death by okay. uh, Jochen Hippel. Who was uh, who used to do stuff on Thalian software on the Amiga yeah, ST? Yeah. But but yeah, more about him for another time, I think. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I pondered my second track, and after learning that Jay was um, cheating, <laughs> settled on this, which fits into my theme. Uh, I mentioned earlier about uh, the brushstrokes Haruyuki Sawano likes to play with throughout his themes, and a big part of those is a vocal performance. Uh, this track is based around the motif heard in those final 90 seconds of Theme X, but with acoustic guitar, piano, and the vocals of Japanese-born New Zealander Seiyuli. Uh, it's a lovely little song, um, very much in the tradition almost of uh, Eyes on You for Final Fantasy VIII or Melodies of Life from Final Fantasy IX. Um, it's a wonderful contrast to, uh, to the bigger stuff, and uh, to me, adds another level of expectation from the game. Mm. So this is The Way by Haruyuki Suzuano and Sayuli from Xenoblade Chronicles X.
Too lush and overproduced for my taste, but uh, but I'm not denying the the beauty of the uh, the construction of it there and the and the vocal from Sayuli, who's not someone I've heard of before. Um, prodigiously talented, young, good-looking person, no doubt, kind of sickening person. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine though that there would there will be a. I mean, having listened to the soundtrack before playing the game, I can yeah. just imagine that there will be a point in the game where maybe someone I care about is, is lost or mm, mm. Uh, a, ca- a character sort of mourns a death or thinks that they're not going to get home and those tones are going to play in and I'm just going to choke up and yeah, put my pad yeah. down and kind of sob. And it's, it's nice to, <laughs> uh, to, to have that, that heartful expectation about it, knowing that especially having ventured into the, uh, the original Xenoblade Chronicles, that these will be characters that I, I will give a damn about. And having having this sort of tremor in the distance of, of uh, perhaps losing one of them to... For me, to to those sort of tones is a you know it's a it brings out the the schmaltz in my heart maybe but uh, that's but all yeah. right you 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 seem every time you come on either the the main Kane and Rince podcast or here you're talking about uh, either you know punching the air or or or, or blubbing you're, you're somebody whose emotions <laughs> are obviously always very close to the surface unlike the likes of me and Jay who keep everything you know buried deep down and uh, let it fester right I don't know it's it's something that when we wander in these sort of incredible worlds to to have a little touchstone from, you know, it might be something that, you know, someone said from their connection to the game or in the way that we spoke about Xenoblade of running down those, running away from home at, at, on school holidays and running to different mm. villages and towns and finding fields full of daffodils or a church in the distance and wondering if I could, if I could get home or not. It's, you know, those little, the human, when it impacts on the fantastical, however you take me, whether it be to far off worlds or to fantasy mm. lands, if if I've got that that kernel of relatability to it, that's that's the that's the sort of thing that that anchors me me to it, and uh, you know yeah. let the let the dichotomy play out. I guess I'm absolutely always looking for that feeling, uh, especially in open world games, games like whether it be an Elder Scrolls game or a Witcher type game or, or something, yeah, or or a large expansive RPG. I am always seeking that um, that feeling of childhood majesty and wonder and I, th- I think that's probably the same for a lot of people uh, you know like we all we all appreciate games on on multiple levels and <clears throat> of course in the main Kane and Rince podcast we we talk 
uh, in depth and you know quite mechanically and and technically about about uh, gameplay sort of design choices and things like that. But ultimately, um, you know, the reason that because you know the three of us have all been around gaming for a long time, and ultimately it was it was the it was the sense of exploration and and being able to kind of experience the impossible i think that sort of sold it to us in the first place back mm. in the whenever it was late 70s or whenever whenever it came to you but when jay um, said that mm. he'd, he'd really found his way into to witchy three and, and mentioned oh it was it was like wandering around as a um as sort of a as a, as a samurai and i and then i realized about his connection to lone wolf and cub in the same ways i had and all of a sudden i had this big smile on my face and like I can I can absolutely see CJ sort of um, matching one with the other and just absolutely running away with that. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I can see that. Terrific stuff! Another flight of fantasy coming up from uh, another new contributor. Thank you. Uh, we're always welcoming new people along to the forum, canarince.com slash forum, and uh, we're always looking for your uh, requests for the sound of play. So uh, that's exactly what Barbarian Stomp has done. Uh, and this is uh, also partly in honour of the new volume of Cana Rince podcast, which we have recently announced. We have all 50 shows uh, for the next year of the podcast are listed on the site at canarince.com and in the forum as well. Uh, and one of those is Ori and the Blind Forest, a recent game by our standards. Uh, but as Bomb- Barbarian Stomp says, one of my favourite games of recent times has been Ori and the Blind Forest, a stunning debut for Moon Studios. Ori alone justified my purchase of an Xbox One. Part of the recent resurgence in the popularity of the Metroidvania genre Ori's challenging gameplay is concealed by a beautiful hand-drawn art style that wouldn't look out of place in a classic Disney movie. The game provided me with one of the most moving and memorable openings to a game that I've ever experienced. The music I've included is from the very beginning of the game. It's a short piece and allows the player to feel the fleeting joy experienced by Ori and Naru before tragedy strikes and the blind forest envelops the land. Gareth Coker, someone who I was hitherto unfamiliar with, and uh, featuring the uh, flutist or flautist, or sometimes flautist, uh, talents of Rachel Mellis as well. Um, Flute-like saxophone, uh, or perhaps it's probably used a bit more in video game music than saxophone. Uh, We've often 
lamented the lack of sax in games music, but um, but a bit of flute there wouldn't doesn't go amiss. A bit of uh, yeah has a very pretty and particular sound that we enjoy. So, yes, Ori and the Blind Forest will be coming up in a Cane and Rinse podcast in the future, along with 49 other games. Well, actually, slightly more if you include the series and so on, but check it out, com. So, back to The Witcher, but a different composer this time. Yes, and before I start, I have, I have no idea how to pronounce this. <laughs> um, I have tried to... Um, articulate it but i can't actually i'm not going to attempt to no, actually because i always i do have this like yeah i've just found that with and I, you know my my own family surname twists some people's tongues and yeah hmm. i find that one particularly simple but there are some which like such as this where i just forget it it's probably it, it ends lewitz uh so i think it's probably something like prashibilowitz Possibly closer than what I would say, but it's... it's Mar- you, let's call him Marcin, with apologies yeah, Marcin. to Marcin the P. Polish composer. <laughs> um, yeah, so guess what? It's another track from The Witcher 3. Mm. Now, funny enough, it, 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 what you were just saying then about wandering these, these um, open worlds and stuff. Now, this particular track struck me when you reach a certain point. There's, there's three principal areas in the game now one of them are the Skelliger Islands now this is probably my favorite section of the game my favorite area to explore because it's quite um well it's a whole series of little islands so you've got a lot of boating and and sailing to do in between and stuff unless you fast travel which case I didn't um but it's it's got it's there's something about this place it's got a real earthy feel to it because it's the, the it's depicted as like a a cross between like um celtic and and nordic kind of um culture so you've got and you know everybody's got a really distinct irish accent as well so it's this real mishmash but it's got this real sense of place to it as as do all the areas in the witcher but this one that i particularly favored Partly just due to just when you're exploring, when you just walk in the main island, there's a piece of music that plays. And it's it reminded me a little of the Skyrim soundtrack, possibly due to the similarity in the in the in the setting itself. So this the second track actually reminded me a little of um the best is yet to come from the Metal Gear soundtrack as well, possibly just due to the the, the female vocal part of it. Um but I found it so, so emotive, especially when you're just walking around these areas, nothing, doing nothing in particular, but just exploring and just taking in the scenery with the trees blowing and the, the wind howling, you know, and, and the rain coming down in parts of it as well. Mm. And oh, I just, it's fantastic, but it's, you know, yeah.
That piece is known as The Fields of Ard Skellig. And as we said, the Polish composer's name is, is tricky for us uh, ignorant English types to pronounce, but uh, his first name is Marcin. Or oh, it could be Markin. I could be getting that wrong no, as well. No, it is Marcin. Now, Marcin. I know this because okay. when we moved to Lincoln recently, um, the gentleman who owned the company, the, uh, the, ah, the movable yeah. company, was called Marcin, and that's what he told me his name was. So that was how I know that that part's right, at least. Yeah. And then it's something along the lines of Przybilowicz. With apologies again to any Polish listeners we have, and particularly the composer himself, but uh, that's from The Witcher 3. You may have played it. Now, this next one comes from my selections, and uh, I've picked this for a few reasons. One, because uh, we're we're doing the Legend of Zelda series on Kane Rince on the main podcast, starting with issue 201, which is uh, coming out quite soon now. We're recording this week. Uh, the original The Legend of Zelda from the NES or Famicom. And we're going to go all the way through the entire series. We may even end up doing the one that isn't out yet because it's going to take us a year and a half to to cover the entire series at, at a rate of around a game a month. So we'll be doing something like, I think it's 12 over the next year. And then there'll still be another five or six to do after that. One of those we'll be doing then, obviously, in the next one, will be uh, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess from 2006. It was a GameCube game. That's where I played it. It was also ported to the Wii for the Wii's launch, uh, and it played in mirror mode and had waggle controls and so on and so forth. But happily, Nintendo, because they heard we're doing The Legend of Zelda series on Kane and Rince, uh, have elected to uh, re-release it in high definition for the Wii U. It's not actually because that's why they did it, but uh, which I'm very happy about because I don't I don't own a copy of it any longer, and I'd, I'd be very happy to replay it for the uh, for the podcast. Um, it's a game which uh, I think has a mixed reputation. Um, we try to go into the the main Kane and Rince podcast without um, sort of you know without taking too many uh, things as read in terms of how people feel about something because you know the game reviewed spectacularly well, but I think you know there is there was a, a sense that some people were disappointed because they felt it was a, a retread of Ocarina of Time and whatever else. But personally, spoiler ahead, I may not when I go back to it, but I absolutely love Twilight Princess. Um, I thought it was a fantastic addition to the Zelda canon. I thought it had some wonderfully atmospheric uh, locations and pieces of music and none more so for me than Snow Peak Ruins. It's a it's a dungeon that's a bit different to many of the others uh, in the Zelda canon that I can think of in that it sort of takes place in like somebody's house. It's like a big mansion, a big frosty mansion with yetis living in it. And part of your part of your time spent there is uh, fetching ingredients to make this cheese and pumpkin soup, as I recall. But I just remember this whole sequence and it wasn't the puzzles because actually it's got some quite what I found to be quite frustrating uh, ice block puzzles uh, and things like that. But overall, the mood of this dungeon uh, was just stunning to me. Um, it's definitely the bit of the game that stays in my head and I can't wait to play it again. There was a video this week, another reason for picking that, uh, or once the HD Twilight Princess had been uh, properly announced, Johnny Ciardini on uh, Eurogamer did a video uh, called Why You Should Have Played Twilight Princess, and he also was a fan. And he p pointed out in particular this section as one of the highlights of the game, and, and, and I wholeheartedly agree, and I'm really looking forward to March 
uh, now and when this comes again, uh, about again. So uh, there were three composers on Twilight Princess. Koji Kondo is named as one of them, but I think maybe that's just because uh, of the classic Zelda themes are in there. Um, so I suspect that this Snow Peak Ruins piece is by either Toru Aminagishi and or Asuka Ota. But uh, either way, uh, I just think this is haunting and chilling and icy and gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you. 
remember, Sound of Play ain't just about what we like. So continue to venture over to our forum at canerince.com where you can request your favourites and we'll continue to include a selection of those in the playlist for the regular show. Not necessarily every show because we've started to include some composer-type guests and we have one of those coming up in the very next Sound of Play, number 30. And Sound of Play 31 will be some sort of Christmas special. Yes, you loved the uh, the wonderful uh, amateur dramatics of the Halloween uh, show so much that we're going to try something similar but festive uh, for the following uh, sound of play at holiday season if you're non-denominational anyway please subscribe to sound of play and uh, and do leave us an itunes review or rating we're still struggling for itunes reviews and ratings on the uh, on this particular podcast um, people tell us they love this show so tell us tell us via itunes or whatever else whatever other platform uh, we picked up our first one star rating for sound of play so if you think that's horribly unfair like i do <laughs> um feel free to head over and give us a five star rating or whatever you think three four five it's fine uh, but if you're a regular listener, I'm sure one star. No, surely that can't be. That can't be right. Now, before we say goodbye, we have one more track, of course, which we'll uh, close with. And uh, this is another Hiroyuki Sawano track because that's the theme. But this is from a very different game that I've not heard of at all before. Now, a qu- quirky title as well. CJ, please explain what's going on. Yeah, normally I'd, I'd I'd go with three separate artists for a sound of play, but I I really can't ignore this one. Um, in doing a little detective work earlier, I found that Haruki Sawano had a game soundtrack attributed to him before Xenoblade Chronicles X, a Square Enix RPG on iOS called 3594E. <laughs> uh, I found my way to YouTube, and, well, this song has coloured a, a chunky old slice of my afternoon. Uh, it's only two and a half minutes long, uh, but it's got these huge, sugary, swirling strings that I loved at Sawano for. In this case, it comes across as part Disney, part 50s cinematic epic, epic uh, part frontier western, and it's layered with vocal tones from Mika Kobayashi, uh, which give a, almost a feeling of the, of the theme from the 60s Star Trek. Um, mm. Uh, this aspect of, of Suano's work, that it, it just plain sings uh, to me like adventure is all over the place. And, uh, well, I hope you enjoy it too. So this is 3594EMT from 3594E, once again, by Haruki <laughs> Suano. But before we hear that, we must say goodbye properly. Uh, it just remains for me, Leon, to thank uh, our Jay and CJ. You've plugged your stuff before, but quickly, just uh, remind us. Yeah, uh, we, um, my friend Paddy and I uh, do a Souls podcast called Twin Humanities. Uh, we've got uh, one where we a podcast where we discuss games, movies, and life, and telly, and all that kind of stuff called Oh the Humanities. And we occasionally venture to talk about Destiny in in Twin Destiny. But uh, if you if you find Twin Humanities on uh, on Twitter, you'll be able to jump to the link from there. But uh, thank you very much for having me on again. It's always a pleasure. Oh, marvelous. Thank you for joining us. You're always welcome. And so here we go. Three, five, nine, four, E. I'm, wanna, I'm thinking of two, four, six, eight motorway by the Tom <laughs> Robinson band. Uh, Hiroyuki Sawano, see you next time. Actually, we won't. It'll be Ryan Heyman in Sound of Play 30. Until then.